0: Welcome to another inspiring message from Pastor John Cameron, lead pastor of Arise Church in New Zealand. We know this message will empower and inspire you. We wanna talk in this series about the new normal and what a great example for that. We have this amazing journey that kicks off in Numbers where the Bible tells us in chapter 13 of Numbers that the Israelites who have been on a journey for literally 700 years. 700 years prior to our passage of Scripture being written is when Abraham left the place where he was living to spend the rest of his life in a tent in the land we now know as the promised land or the land that the Bible calls the land of Canaan, the modern land of the nation of Israel. And Abraham dwelt in a tent in that land for the remainder of his life. And this is amazing, team. Abraham died having only two things to show for his life. One child and a life of becoming familiar with the promises of God. Yet the Bible calls Abraham our father in the sight of God. Now if that doesn't highlight something for you, then I believe that it should. That one of the greatest contributions you can make to the plan of God and to your future is to become familiar with where God is wanting to take you. And that's what happens whenever people get close to God. When you get close to God, God begins to speak to you, not about where you've been or about where you are, but about where He is wanting to lead you in the days that are coming in your life. If you believe that, can you give me a little amen? And I believe that what happened, what happened with Abraham, he lived his life and then he died. Isaac took his place, Isaac died, and he had two children, Jacob and Esau. You know, Esau, he was the wild man, couldn't contain it. Uh, Jacob ended up with the blessing, a man of the tents. He was basically a nerd for Jesus, but he ended up with some blessing living in his life. And then the Bible tells us that Jacob got busy and had 12 kids, and one of those kids, his name was Joseph. And Joseph had got the Technicolor Dreamcoat. They wrote a musical about Joseph. He ended up going down to Egypt. You know that story? And then Potiphar's wife thought Joseph was a little babe, a bit of a babe, asked him to change a light bulb. stripped his clothes off him. He went running down the street wearing nothing but a smile, got arrested for it put in prison with the butcher, the baker, and the candlestick maker, you remember that bit? And then he languished in the jail for a while until Pharaoh had some dreams and Joseph was suddenly brought out. And by the way, let me pause and say this. Sometimes you can be in the prison not knowing that it's the only way God can get you to the palace. Sometimes you can be going through all kinds of challenge in your life not knowing that God is not wanting you to stay there, but He needs to get you where He wants you to go. Do you believe that today? So the Bible tells us that eventually the family tribe, the family tribe of Jacob or Israel came down to the land of Egypt where they dwelt for the next 400 years as slaves. Now listen, when I read that, I think, how can that be? How can it be that people who are God's children, God's chosen people are living as slaves in the land of Egypt? And then I realise that, How do you take 120 people who are part of a family tribe and grow them to a nation that is large enough to contain and to to hold that land we know as the promised land? How do you multiply 120 into three million without them splintering off in a whole lot of different directions? And the answer is you hem them in on every side. You make them a slave race that nobody wants to intermarry with to keep the promise collective, to keep their national identity secure so that then when God brought them out, they were actually able to step into the next thing that God's got for them. What are you saying, John? I'm saying that your oppression might be your distinction, that the difficult season you're going through might be God getting you ready for what He's got for you that God is always working. And even when you're in the middle of a season where you're going, why and where? Why am I going through this? And where is God? Know this always, God never forgot your name. God never wrote you off. God has got a plan in store for you. God has got a tomorrow for every person. And He is always going to work stuff for good. And if you believe it, give me a little Amen. Okay. So then along comes Moses. You remember him, had the big beard, looked like a member of ZZ Top. They come up out of Egypt. The the blood of the lamb was put over the door. The avenging angel spared every person that was in the Israelite homes and they were able to walk out and they were able to step free. Now now listen, every person in their life has two crossings. The first crossing is this one. When you find Jesus, if you, you maybe came to church last week and you put Jesus first, and decided to become a, a person who's gonna have a relationship with Jesus, then maybe don't understand everything about all the spiritual stuff, but stay with me because it'll make sense by the end. But that's the first crossing that everybody's gotta make. Because of Jesus, who was slain for our sins, the Bible says that Egypt, the world, sin and death, no longer has a hold over us. Where our grave is your sting, where our death is your victory, Whom the Son sets free, Jesus. Whom the Son sets free is what? Free indeed. The Bible says that sin shall no longer be your master because you are not under law, you are under grace. So the first crossing that everybody makes in their life is to lead their captivity to sin and their slavery to their past and their their entrenchment in the, the desperation of an inner soul. And you get set free and you come out into the wilderness, that's one. But God doesn't wanna leave you and I in the wilderness. He wants to take us into the life that He has promised for us. So there's a second crossing that you and I need to make and that is from the wilderness into the promised land. Now a lot of Christians wanna just sing, wanna hang out the rest of their lives in the wilderness. This is true. Because in the wilderness, God does everything. I mean, manna fell from heaven every day, not to be confused with manna. You know, that's what, you know, anyway, but anyway, I get the two words confused all the time. Stay with me. But, but they, they had manna and it would fall every day. Have I got it the right way around? I have, right. Yeah. Uh, in America, I always, when I'm preaching in America, I always say manna, and they just think it's my New Zealand accent. They don't realize I get the words confused. Anyway, um, uh, the manna would fall every day. You know, they needed water, you know, water would just come from rocks and stuff. God did it, God did it, God did it, God did it. And as much as I think it's amazing to experience the miracles of God, the Bible tells us that when they stepped over into the promised land, that day that the Jordan closed, the manna stopped falling. And many people want to stay in a place in their life where God continues to just miraculously provide. But listen, God doesn't get any glory from your life when you're just wearing well-worn tracks in the wilderness. God doesn't get any glory from a life that is just staying at the same level. God, God is not able to take us where we want. He wants us to go unless we become people who participate in our own journey. And so they reached the edge. One year after they came out of the land of Egypt, the Bible says one year later, they reached the banks of the Jordan River. And this is where our text is today. How do we make our home in the promises of God? The Bible tells us that 12 spies were sent to survey that land, 12 spies. They weren't losers, they weren't dropkicks. I mean, they had a nation of three million people and each tribe chose one. I think there are 12 provinces in New Zealand. It's like selecting an all-blacks team, but there's just gonna be one from every province. That's what it was like. I clearly would never have made the 12, okay? (laughs) Stop laughing, it's rude. I'm kidding. They went over into that promised land and they came back and they gave a report. Now, the title of this talk today is called Minority Report. Because the Bible tells us that when they came back and they gave a report on what they had seen, that these 10 spies had stepped over into that promised land. And I'm not reading out the Scripture because there's a lot of it. But they stepped over into that promised land and they, they ate the food that was there. They enjoyed the produce that was there. In fact, they brought back a bunch of grapes so big that it took two of these spies to carry. Now I am the runt of the Cameron family litter and even I can carry pretty much any bunch of grapes I've ever seen on my pinky finger and go, oh hello. But you know, here we've got two guys who would have been front rows for the all blacks and they are carrying a bunch of grape on a pole between two of them because it weighs so much. And they come back after having eaten this this food, after having seen all these opportunities, after having witnessed what God had for them. And the Bible says they came back and this is what the 10 said. We went over and we explored the land. The land that we explored was good, but. And then they pivot the question. Now, if you've ever done anything with media studies, what they teach you to do is they teach you to kind of acknowledge that there's been a question asked and then pivot to your answer. And that's exactly what these 10 spies do. They like give lip service to why they were sent there. Tell us what the land is like. Tell us what the people are like. They acknowledge the premise of the question, and then they're like, but the cities there are large. The people there are huge. There are descendants of Anak there. And then, you know, it gets worse. They're like, man, the land literally opens up underneath people and swallows them whole. We saw the Nephilim there. That's like saying orcs lived over there. They're, they're, they're just going crazy, painting this negative picture about the environment that they're in. Now listen, 10 huge young men, the best warriors that God, that, that Israel has on offer. The pick of a nation of 3 million people brought down to 12. 10 of them walked into what God had. And they said, my friends, it is too big for us. Now, if that doesn't just put a little bit of fear inside of you and me, then I think we're not reading it right. Because they are literally riding a wave. Israel is riding a wave that began with Abraham and worked itself down through centuries of human history as they multiplied and grew and God was speaking and God was moving and eventually they get to this moment and it all comes down to the 12. And the Bible says that when the 10 come back, they share such a report that all of the nation of Israel is like, oh my gosh, we should not go in. We should not do this. Where is God? And their picture of God is that God is somehow against them, that God is judging them, that there is evil in store for them, and their picture of themselves is that they are unable, that this is the end, my friend, the only end, my friend, if you're old enough to remember the doors. And they are thinking that this moment is literally the end of their lives. They saw it, they considered it, they felt out of place in it, they were discouraged, despondent, and they returned back and they thought, this is not the way for us to go. Literally, the next thing that happens is Israel, the people, all begin to weep. On the eve of their greatest day, they are crying and weeping and saying, we can't believe we ended up here you can fall apart right on the edge of the greatest season in your life. Because there is no way God can take you where He wants you to go without obstacles appearing to be in the way. True. There's no way your marriage is going to improve if you keep saying the challenges are too big. There's no way you fulfill your destiny if you're looking at what's ahead of you and saying, I'm going to die. You have to find a place, we have to find a place on the inside of us that is different to that. And the Bible says, about these, because it's very easy for us to throw these 10 spies under the bus. But friend, I reckon that most often you and I, really, if we were honest, we're more akin to the 10 and to the two. Have you ever faced opposing armies? Have you ever walked into ridiculous situations? Ever ever been in a position where your numbers and experience are smaller than those are against you, yet found an inner resolve that God is for you? What God was asking them to do is fairly significant. Yet, friends, I want you to know that God wants you and I to be people who do walk into a new normal. God doesn't want you to walk around in the same life. He doesn't want you and I to experience the same setbacks or the same challenges and to camp where we are for the rest of our existence. God wants you and I to make him famous. He wants us to step beyond. He wants us to give him glory. If you believe God's got something better ahead of you, could you just pause, take a break, and give God some praise? right now. Yeah. 10, look at what God's got and inside feel defeat. 10, look at the opportunities of God and think there is only failure. 10, look at what is ahead and on the inside they are discouraged and despondent and down. Yet the Bible tells us that walking into that promised land with them on that journey was a little minority of two. Joshua and Caleb. And I believe that God wants you and I to be part of the minority. I believe God wants you and I to not have a spirit that is gonna recoil at the promises or the opportunities of God. God wants you and I to walk forward with boldness and courage and to inherit everything that God has got for us. Now listen, before I give it to you, can I just help you to understand the power of this just a little bit more? 10 spies who came back and gave their report didn't last the next day. They died the very next day. Yet two spies, Joshua and Caleb, the Bible tells us about them that not only did they live long enough to go into the promised land, that Caleb rocks up to Joshua when he's 80 plus years old, and man, I don't know if we've got any 80 year olds in the building today, but Joshua, sorry, Caleb rocks up and he says, Joshua or Josh for short, you know, he's like, Josh, homie, buddy, you know, I want you to know that I am just as vigorous and full of energy now as I was then. I got the same BMI count as I did when I went on that original journey. Come on, man. He's like, I am ready to go. I am up for it. Because there is a difference between a heart filled with fear and a heart filled with faith. There is a difference in your body and in your soul when you are consumed by worries and fears and when you're living with God's promises alive on the inside of you. I don't know about you, but I don't wanna be part of the vocal majority, I wanna be part of the minority the Bible tells us about these two, Joshua and Caleb, that Caleb came back. And let's read it in Numbers chapter 13 and in verse uh, 30, that Caleb silenced the people before Moses and he said, we should go up and take possession of this land. We can certainly do it. And then in Numbers chapter 14 and verse 20, the Bible tells us about Caleb. The Lord replied, I have forgiven them. Speaking about the crowd, as you asked, nevertheless, As surely as I live and as surely as the glory of the Lord fills the whole earth, not one of the men who saw my glory and the miraculous signs I performed in Egypt and in the desert, but who disobeyed me and tested me 10 times, not one of them will ever see the land I promised on earth to their fathers. No one who has treated me with contempt will ever see it. But, God's got His own but, because my servant Caleb has a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly. I will bring him in. Man, I love that passage. And the Bible's literally saying that there is a difference between the minority and the majority, between the 10 and the two. 10 that died the next day and two still a vision and faith and expectation four decades later and able to walk into what God has and God said the difference between the ten and the two between Caleb and the others is that Caleb had a different spirit a different spirit. God is literally saying if you want to walk into the fullness of what I've got then the, di- the change that needs to be in you, in me that's gonna set you apart from the majority, who so often don't ever see God really accomplish what He wants to accomplish, is a spiritual difference. Something's gotta be different in the inside of us if we are going to be able to walk into the new normal that God's got for us. If we want our lives to move forward, then something has gotta change in the spirit of who we are. He's saying Caleb and Joshua, these cats, they have a different spirit, a different spirit. See, everybody in this room has a spirit. You have a soul of who you are. Ruach is the word. It means you've got the breath of life on the inside of you. And the Bible's literally saying about Caleb that his spirit is somehow different. Now, the word different in the Hebrew could be accurately translated next or following. It's a Hebrew word, A-C-H-E-R, A-C-H-E-R. And God said, because Caleb has a different spirit, A-C-H-E-R, he has a next spirit or a following spirit. He is going to be able to go into the land to which I have called him. If you're taking notes, it's just a little thought maybe you wanna write down today. You will always end up living where your spirit calls home. See friends, what we find about Caleb is that Caleb didn't have a spirit that was living or found its residence in the wilderness that he currently abided in. And Caleb didn't have a home in his heart that came from the slavery that he'd endured throughout all of his formative years. Somehow Caleb had been able to move his spirit beyond. Somehow Caleb had been able to leave behind the pain of yesterday and to move forward into something new. And the Bible says that he has a next spirit, a next spirit. See, everybody in this room has three things. Everybody in this room has three things. You have a past that has pain, you have a present that has problems, and you have a promise that God has got for you. Everybody has a past that's got pain in it. Everybody has a present that is filled with problems. And everybody has a promise that God wants you to possess. There is a past, a present and a promise. There is a pain and a problem and a possession. And at the end of the day, if we are not careful, my friends, the natural drift of life is not to be defined by where you are going. Is this not true? The natural thing is to be defined. You get an accent based on where you came from. You get a set of expectations based on where you came from. You get a view of life based on where you came from. My parents were in poverty. I will be in poverty. My children will be in poverty. I, have there's this anger in my father, alcoholism in my mother, that's gonna be my lot in life. I was a slave, slave is who I am, slave is what I will be. So I look at the challenges of the promise and I think I am disqualified for that. But the Bible says about Caleb that the difference in him is that even while he was a slave, he was saying, God, You are real. And in the middle of the problem, in the middle of the past filled with pain, he was able to move his spirit. He might have been in slavery, but his spirit said, next. He might have been in the problem of the day, but his spirit said, next. He might have been going through hell, but his heart said, heaven is my home. He might have been going through difficulty, but he knew that difficulty was not his destiny. He might have been facing adversity, but He said, my future is prosperity. He might have come through sickness, but He said, healing is my lot. And I believe God wants you and I to get a spirit that is not defined by yesterday's pain or defined by today's problems. You are not your past and your problems are not bigger than you. But the God that you worship is the God of almighty power and grace. And if you believe God's at work within you, why don't you take a break and give Him some praise in this room right now. Come on, come on. Caleb, have been, Caleb found a way and I believe that every person, every person in this room, God wants you to find a way that you are not shaped by your past experiences, that the pain that's happened to you, you might have been through abuse, you might have been through difficulty, but I want you to know that it might have happened to you but it is not you. That you might have been through all kinds of hardship, that might have been a moment in your life but it is not the story of your life. That whatever challenges we face are there only to give God greater glory when He brings us out and He moves us forward. He has a next Spirit. He has a next Spirit. So I guess the the real thing for us, and the cool thing is we've got got six minutes and 50 seconds to talk about it, (laughs) is how do you move your Spirit? How do you move your Spirit? How do we become one of the two who look at the land, look at the new normal, see where God is taking us and something inside us. says, this is where God wants me to live. And I have found finally, finally found a home. Do you know what happened with the 10, by the way? Do you know what happened with them? Can I just throw this in for free just because it's like a pastor thing that like helps me to just moan, you know? They came back, they came back and they gave their report. There's all the weeping and moaning. This is what next happens. They start saying, we should pick a new leader who will take us back to Egypt. They're on the edge. (laughs) Now we know the whole Bible. We know that they ended up doing it. This generation didn't, but the next one did. They're on the edge of the greatest days of their life. And they're like, we should just pick a new leader who will take us all the way back. And I know you can throw them under the bus, but I've met Christians like this who walk into a church like a rise? this is not a big church, this is a small church. This is a small church. There are more people in cafes in Petone than probably in this auditorium. Especially if you throw in Kmart that when it opens, <laughs> Rebel Sport and Briscoes, right, we're, we're there. And until there are more people in every church in the Hutt Valley and in the city of Wellington, then we don't have big churches, we've got small churches. But I've heard people say this, and maybe you have too. They're like, oh, you know, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't want to be part of a big church. They're like, what? Well, there's two options. Our generation finds Jesus, and we have to have more Christians gathered together. Yeah, yeah. Right? <laughs> or we let our whole generation go to hell so that we, have to, we can go to a church that is small. Would you like one or two? Because I don't know about you, I reckon that one of those options is an offense to God and one of them is worthy of His glory, but you can feel so out of place, so out of place when you're in the place where God wants you to be. We don't want to be part of the 10. We want to be part of the two. Caleb, my servant, has a different spirit. It's so easy to miss this. Because or and he follows me. Wholeheartedly, He has a different spirit and he follows me wholeheartedly. And the problem with translating the Bible is that you can lose the essence when you read it because you don't see what it's originally trying to say. And the word follows. He has a different spirit, A-C-H-E-R, next, following. He has a following spirit because God doesn't live in your past and God doesn't live in your present. He's with you in your present, but his pull is towards your future. I forgive your sin, I forget your iniquity. As far as the east is from the west, so far I have removed my transgressions from you. God's not thinking about your past. He's in your present, but his home, your home is in his promises. He has a different or a following spirit, A-C-H-E-R, next spirit, because He follows me. Now the word follows here is another word and it's A-C-H-A-R. There is literally one vowel difference. A-C-H-E-R, next or following. A-C-H-A-R, because He follows me. In other words, the Bible is saying, if you want your life to look different to every generation in your family, if you wanna go beyond the current circumstances that are holding you back, if you wanna find a new normal, if you wanna step Into what God's got for you in your life, and when you get there, feel I was made for this. This is my moment. I own it. I'm never gonna let it go. Ho, you only, there's opportunity, only comes once in a lifetime. If you wanna be more like Eminem on the day of your, you know, if you wanna be part of the two and not part of the ten, (laughs) that's dangerous preaching right there. If you wanna be part of the two and not part of the 10, then the Bible gives us the way that we can do it. And that is no matter what you're in the middle of, be a worshipper of Almighty God. No matter what you're facing, realise that God is greater. No matter what challenges come in your way, say I'm not trying to conform God to the size of my problem. I'm conforming my problem to the size of my God. Greater is He that is in me than he that is in the world. In all these things we face hardship and difficulty, but nothing in all the world can ever separate me from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus my Lord. I believe that for every single person in this auditorium, God wants you to know that you are not the pain of your past and you are not the problems of your present. The thing that calls to you and says that there is more is God's promise and spirit beating on the inside of you. And when Abraham saw the land and said, "I believe you, Lord." When he saw the stars and said, "Yes, Lord." Abraham got a new spirit. When Caleb was a slave kid saying, I am God's child, when he wandered in the wilderness and said, you are with me. He was calling his spirit to a new home. This might be spiritual, man. Come back next week. We'll go more normal. In fact, come tonight. Come into the city this evening to the Michael Fowler Center if you'd like, because we're going to break some things. It's going to be an awesome night tonight. But I just want to say that you can move your spirit out of your past and into your present. I give you story after story of how you see this in the Bible, but let me tell you one, maybe two. I'm I'm not sure because my clock stopped working. I can just talk as long as I want. The clock stopped working. (laughs) You'll probably leave at some point, but uh, let let me tell you one story. I started full time in ministry when I was 19 years old. And my training for the ministry was basically, here's a list of schools, in Auckland City, go preach in those Christian groups. So I went out there and I tried to preach in those Christian groups, and I, you know, I've I've come a long way. You know, I feel like as a communicator, I'm getting better all the time. But, but I was I was terrible back then. I mean, so bad. I mean. Uh, no, no one gave me feedback, there's no basis of improvement. I would just get out there, try and fail. So, that, you know, so what happened was you just start ramping it up. You, know, you get more desperate, like what can I do to get attention? Eventually, I had to write a letter to a school to apologise because what I said was so offensive and out there and it was just, like it was just, not, it was just not going well, you know? It reached the point where I decided that I was not good at preaching. I I just decided this is not my thing. I'll, I'll give God my life, but I'm not gonna be a preacher. At the end of that year, I found myself at a beach home, a little shack in the beach in the Bay of Islands for nine days by myself just to pray. So I would get up every day and just pray and worship and read the Bible. And this is what happened to me about day four into this time where I was just giving God my thoughts. And this is a great key for life, team. If you give God your thoughts, God will give His thoughts to you. Fix your mind on Jesus, the author and perfecter. Four days into it, I started to see this picture. It was a movie, really, of this big auditorium. Big auditorium. It had a big ground floor, had a wraparound balcony, and I was preaching. And man, can I be real with you? I was preaching really good. Like I mean, I, I was like, this is a great sermon. I I that is that is me. That is definitely me. You know, like I never preached that good in my life, but in this dream. The sermon was amazing, it was awesome. The next day, it happened again. Third day, happened again. Fourth day, happened again. I'll never forget, I walked out of that beach house when I realised this is God speaking to me. I wandered up into the mountains all by myself that day, screaming like a man, thing, God, you are with me. I'm gonna be a preacher of the Gospel. When I was 36 years old, I was standing in the Michael Fowler Center on a Sunday morning. It's got a big ground floor, has a wraparound balcony. I was preaching and the building was full. And it was like I had the weirdest moment in my life, like deja vu on steroids, when I realized that I'd seen this four days in a row when I was 19 years old. Fifteen years ago, Chile and I were driving along a motorway that's about 10 meters from where you are right now. And the Holy Spirit came all over my life on the worst weekend of my life. We had a hall booked in Auckland on the North Shore, 100 meters from Takapuna Beach. We were gonna start a church there. We were gonna just basically live a life. And God called us to Wellington. And when we got here, we knew nobody. People were mean, the weather was horrible. It was terrible but driving along a motorway out here I felt the presence of God literally just come all over my life and I said to Jillian I said one day sweetheart right here in the Hutt Valley we're gonna build a large facility it'll be the midweek home of our church we'll house our Bible College there from that building we'll send out people to pastor churches all over this nation We'll still have a church in the city. And 15 years later, you're sitting 10 meters away from where that moment took place. You're not your past. And you're not today's problems. You are God's promises. And God wants us to be worshipers who get a spirit Thanks for listening to this message from Pastor John Cameron. If you would like to find out more about Arise Church, check out arisechurch.com or find us on YouTube.